0: I am really excited to bring to you a remarkable entrepreneur who's going to share some tremendous insights. He is a real estate expert, but also a coach, and he's helping you know, a lot of individuals be very successful. But what is remarkable is the scale he achieved in real estate. He's been involved in 5,000 transactions, 23 homes that 2,300 homes, I want to be really clear, it's not 23. 2,300 homes that <laughs> he's bought, fixed, and sold. Now, he did get an early start. He read a book in ninth grade to do all this, but uh, he's really made a huge impact in real estate and in business, and I've, I've gotten to know him, and it, I want him to share with you his hard-learned lessons of success, because no matter what business you're in or where you invest, these are so important, and that's what we do here at AES Nation. It's all about accelerating your entrepreneurial success. I'm John Bowen, co-founder of AES Nation, and stay tuned, because you don't want to miss the insights from Brad Chandler. Ordinary success,
1: no way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional
0: breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. Brad, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited as well.
0: Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, we are talking about, and it's been a while, we, we met at Frank Kern's uh, one of his conferences and uh, f- uh, a good friend of both of ours josh green says you know I, I forgot how we got the email traffic but i said that you know i was there and he said the two of you should meet i'm thinking there's hundreds of us how would we do it and you walked by instantly so it was meant for us to get together but brad <sighs> i i'm really impressed yeah you know, i guess i'm a financial guy i've done a number of real estate projects and some have worked out exceptionally well but you know some have been a uh, disaster early on a few large apartment complexes uh, I said I'm gonna stay in the financial side And when you tell me you've done all these transactions that that's amazing maybe give a little bit of backstory before we get into the lessons that you're gonna share with your fellow entrepreneurs
1: sure so I read a book when I was in ninth grade on how to buy real estate with no money down and knew, always knew that real estate was my passion so I went to a Virginia Tech undergrad got a degree in residential property management um, came out and um, worked for an apartment REIT for a while, managing apartments. Not a corporate guy. Didn't want to climb the corporate ladder. So got my MBA, at University of Wisconsin, and then came out and worked for a developer. And in 2002, an investor bought my neighbor's house in Vienna, Virginia, and I went and talked to him. And he says, "Yeah, I buy houses from distressed sellers below market." And I go, "Wow, that's amazing." I thought you got rich in real estate by putting a bunch of money down, getting a bank loan, and having the property pay off. So I said at that point in time. I'm going to make this happen. And this was late 2002. And so it took me eight long months of working a full-time job, coming home, putting my, my newborn son to bed at eight o'clock, working from eight to midnight, working on weekends. I literally started, my partner and I, we'd go out and we'd hammer those We Buy house signs on telephone poles while dodging you know, the infamous I, I DC sniper. I wonder
0: who sniper. was doing that because I see him all over the place here.
1: So we don't do that anymore, but that's how we, that's how we got started. So in August, uh, in July of two thousand three, I bought my first house. In July, in August, between July and August, I bought six houses. I quit my full time job in October of two thousand three, and here we are, twenty three hundred houses later.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's amazing, and you know, you know, One of the things that's so interesting, I think, Brad, is that you know, you relatively early age reading a book and then executing from that, and and it is. Uh, uh, amazing and uh, you might have remembered there's been some downturns along the way little bumps in the road particularly i'm thinking 2008 2009 as a financial guy and yeah you know, how did you know i want to go into because one of the things you and i were talking about is the power of focus and you know when you're doing all these kinds of activities you know so many people think of all entrepreneurs as kind of an overnight success how did you do all this and and give us a little bit of your thoughts on, you know, this power of focus, whether the markets are good or bad during that period.
1: So I've been fortunate enough to go through the really the, the best real estate run up in ever uh, in the history of real estate and really the, the the worst downturn ever. So we've survived both of those uh, focus when when things got really bad. We had to renovate our houses and make sure that they were the nicest looking houses in the neighborhood and then price them a little bit below market. So that helped us get through. But then we really took advantage of the market between 2010 and 2012 because we started buying houses at 30% of what we had sold the same. We actually bought a house back that we had sold for $278,000 in 2008. We bought it back from the bank, fully renovated because we renovated it. And the owner put in a privacy fence for $5,000. Guess what we bought it back for? $100,000. So we bought 80 of those. Looking back, we wish we would have bought 800. And now the market's at its peak or close to it. We think, and now we're selling all of that. So that's where focus really helped us—is just you know taking advantage of of something in the market and just getting really good at that one thing.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting, uh, you know, Brad. The, I mean, it's, it's so easy to get distracted on this. And you've stayed with single-family homes. Usually, the progression, you know, from the real estate people I've uh, known, there are a few that have done what you're doing, but. Uh, very few to the magnitude is, you know, we start single family homes and we start kind of a small office or a strip mall and then progressively, you know, kind of scale up larger and larger and let's do bigger and bigger projects that we know nothing about. And then something blows up along the way and they're leveraged to the hilt. And, you know, the temptation is, you know, hitting bigger home runs. Uh, how, how did you not fall prey to that?
1: Oh, I did. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so, so in the in the first five months of 2005, we made so much money that I thought I was the smartest guy in the world. I thought I was. I had I had notions of retiring at an early age, and so what we did is we went out. And we bought three development projects. We bought a single family house in North Arlington, and we bought two condo projects in DC. We ended up losing three million dollars combined on those. And mind you, I started in 2003 with a negative negative eighty thousand dollar net worth so I didn't have a lot of money. So we fell prey to that. Um, we learned our lessons. We, we, we learned the hard way. And in the last five years, we've gone back into that space and we've had some real successful condo development. So I'm not professing, um, that I didn't make a ton of mistakes. We made a ton of mistakes. And I also, we also expanded to some markets, Virginia Beach and Richmond when we weren't, we weren't nearly ready. So we've learned a lot from our lessons and now we're, we just expanded. Actually, we started marketing in Miami in the South Florida market yesterday uh, but now we're a whole different company like we've got our ducks in a row all of our systems all of our people and we're ready to expand
0: yeah, let's So talk, let's talk about that because you know the what happens in the marketplace is you know we, we, we've got to have the right team and To scale up you know to the the magnitude and then go into a totally new market you know the mistake uh, we all make as entrepreneurs is you know we you know we've got to make smart to deci- you know become successful when we don't have a lot of money so we can blow it up early and then learn from our mistakes but you know What what really is so important is having the right team around you and, you know, so that you can have the confidence to go into the markets and also the right systems. But let's talk about attracting and retaining the team, because, I mean, you're in a pretty labor and I'm thinking, you know, just you got to show up to buy the house. Somebody's got to fix it and then you got to sell it. There's a lot a lot of people involved in that process.
1: So with our, with our virtual assistants that we employ in the Philippines, we have a handful of those. We've got about 30 employees, but we've always been really focused on hiring because whenever we brought in the wrong person, it's really hurt our organization. So now we have a very, very comprehensive program that literally takes hours to do. We run them through two behavioral tests, a number of interviews. Uh, but what we found really, really, really interesting the last probably 30 days is LinkedIn came out with a new recruiting tool. And my COO went through the whole uh, training within LinkedIn, and we are just having a phenomenal uh, results using LinkedIn as a recruiting tool. You can actually say, here's a criteria I'm looking for. It will alert you every day, and then you can send that person. You can't send 1,000 people, but you get a certain amount of credits each month. And as you, use, as you send a message directly to their inbox, you use up a credit. Interesting thing, though, is if they reply to you, you get that credit back. So they're really just con- trying to control spam. But it's been, I think we've hired five people in the last 30 days off it. It's been phenomenal.
0: And uh, Brad, what type of person are you finding it to be effective using the LinkedIn campaign?
1: So interestingly enough, we've hired, uh, we're about to hire a high-level marketing person. Um, we've hired junior-level salespeople. We've hired a sales manager and we also started interviewing for cfos and we had three sit-down interviews with three cfos that were very very impressive
0: Uh, so i i would say the whole gamut yeah and i mean that's a very cost-effective way of doing it it just you know that one of the things that's so nice in today's world is all the tools we have you know you and i are connecting you know the the cost of a video conference that we're doing you know over skype is free um Tell, tell me you know one of the, your fellow entrepreneurs a lot of them have attempted virtual assistance and I, I have a virtual company I have multiple businesses I have no employees and I have about 50 people working with me you know all over the place and uh, I just love that model my last business I had 400 employees I don't want to do that again and you know but I haven't had it be you know, I've tested a little bit overseas uh, So everybody working with me right now is uh, primarily uh, North America. How have you made the Philippines work? And uh, I guess, why did you go there first? And then, you know, how did you make it work?
1: So let me uh, let me just let me answer that in one second. But I want to jump back to LinkedIn and tell it say something is typically when you find talented people, they aren't unemployed sitting home on their couch. So when you put out a job ad you're putting it out to the world. And a lot of times you get replies from people who are unemployed and just need to, you know, fill an application to get their unemployment. Whereas when you go to LinkedIn, we're only looking for people who are employed. So I just wanted to make that note. Yeah. So you're
0: it's very and that I think that's an important one. It's actually interesting The California just signed a law that you can't ask employment status. But by doing it that way, then you address that issue, because I guess there's a number of states that have made it illegal to ask whether they're employed or not, which you know, or past salary, which I kind of think is, how do we do all this? But we'll leave that yeah, to that's the pretty Yeah,
1: that's pretty important information to know, wouldn't you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. This, this, uh, the government's here to help, though. Uh, but <laughs> ta- let's so to answer phil- your
1: question about, yeah, yeah. the answer why, how VAs are working and why the Philippines. So why the Philippines is that we started out with a virtual assistant firm that specialized in helping real estate-related people. So that's how we got there. How's it been a success is that, we um, we screen them not as in depth as we would someone in the United States, but we still put them through a behavioral test. We make sure that they have a you know a personality profile that will fit the position that we're hiring them for, and then we train them and we really try to make them feel like they're part of the team. So when I send out my weekly CEO video messages, they're included on it. When we send out you know weekly memos, they're included on it. And we just train them and we, we set we, we, we have them, um, we, they have the same set of standards as anyone else's. They have their goals. They have what they're, you know, what they need to accomplish. And if they don't, then, you know, there's repercussions from it, but we've had uh, tremendous success and we definitely think that as we grow and scale, uh, we're going to leverage them more. They do a lot of the callbacks. They do a lot of this call screening. Um, so they help us close more real estate deals.
0: And how, how's the retention been there compared to the U S
1: um, I would say it's lower, but it's pretty good in the virtual assistant world. Like, we have a couple of people who have been with us now for a couple of years, and they're really high performers.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, the, the one thing that, it, because we're all getting used to working anywhere, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I certainly, I partner, I have strategic partners, and, you know, we've got a pretty good sized businesses. And, you know, today, all of us do a pretty good phone, pretty good video conference. And if you do a good job of selecting early on, and you know, one of the things, Brad, it sounds like you've been doing it longer than I, I've always done the background check, but only last year did I really start doing the behavioral side. I had done it when I was working in sports and entertainment, where we were vetting you know, they were high profile individuals. I, I was acting, I was CEO of a, a sports and entertainment group that we were managing their you know, uh, personal business, including their financial affairs. And I was, it was like uh, background checks were scary so often, and then the behavioral ones just kind of totaled it. So now you know, I won't bring anybody on board, even as an independent contractor that's gonna have anything material at all without doing that. And it sounds like you've had the same experience that's added a lot of value.
1: It has, I tell entrepreneurs all the time, if you aren't using behavioral and or personality tests, you're really doing yourself a disservice because we've brought in people in a rush and I decided not to do it. And then we had to fire them a couple of months, uh, after. And one particular person, I actually had them do the personality test right before I let them go because I knew what I was going to find. And sure enough, they had no attention to detail. Had I run that report in five minutes for free, I would have said this person will never be a fit for this position. So as a business owner, you have to employ those tools.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, you're doing them a disservice by not doing it too, because you're going to give them a position where they should, you know, maybe a different one in your firm or somewhere else, but you know, they've got to find the right home. And one of the things that I've been doing more recently, particularly on a little more senior uh, or uh, a recent one, I brought in a new executive assistant for me. And I did the behavioral profiling uh, and then had one of the uh, profilers have a conversation with her and give her mine so that she could better serve me and and, you know I did this first time I did that and uh, I asked her how it went and she said it was extremely valuable and you know why wouldn't it be they you know they want to you know they're if they're coming in to serve us and to work with us and be successful they'd like to know you know how best to, to fit into the culture that you're creating or that we're creating.
1: That's a that's a great idea. We used to share them all the time. And uh, it just reminded me I'm going to get back to sharing those with the team members.
0: Yeah. It's uh, and as a matter of fact, I've had now everybody that works with me has gone through this. So sometimes we get a little passionate about the new things, but it does work. Let's go to about uh, perseverance, because you talked about, you know, the you know, it's not a straight line. None of us get that, you know, the entrepreneur mindset. It's so easy to get beaten up uh, along the way. Uh,
1: how do you keep going? How do I keep going? I just think it's ingrained in me that I just, I don't like to quit and I like to succeed. And I think about all the people, you know, Jack Canfield, I think he went to 121 publishers in order to get his first book, Chicken Soup for the Soul published. Imagine if he'd have quit at 80, 90, even 120, where he, where he would be in all the lives that he's changed. So at this point, as I've shifted into coaching, my motivation now is, I'm really, really excited to help hundreds, if not thousands of people in the next 10 years. And so I, what keeps me going is I just f- makes me feel really good when I can help people and change their lives. So that's what keeps me going and makes me, you know, want to never quit.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing the difference you can make. And, you know, it'd be nice if on the first time you do something it works, but, uh, unfortunately it doesn't. And then, you know, we were at a conference, uh, Frank Kern's, uh, inner circle, I want to call it kind of a, uh, you know, very much marketing oriented, but using technology. And he's a big believer in testing, you know, just seeing what's working. And tell me a little bit about, cause I mean, you've, you've built, we kind of talked about people, but we've built some amazing systems to be able to do what you're doing and to have the ability to kind of change direction now going into the coaching side. But you know, how did you go about testing what worked and then putting the systems in place?
1: So from a marketing standpoint, we test constantly, whether it's A-B testing with landing pages or the ads or the, the copy. We do that all the time. We do 200,000 direct mail pieces a month, so we test that. In terms of processes, we haven't done a whole lot. We have either bought a house, fixed it up, and resold it. We've bought a house, fixed it up, and kept it as a, rent, uh, as a rental. Or we've gotten a house under contract, which our latest business model, and then we never even buy it. We flip it to a cash buyer, and we take a fee for it. So it's not like um, we've tried 50 different things. We've, we've pretty much stuck to those three things. So there's not a whole lot of testing when it comes to, you know, our business processes. We just we do one thing. And if it works, great. If not, we do, you know, I wouldn't call it a test. We would just tweak the model a little bit or tweak the processes.
0: So how are, you know, with all the competition of all those signs on telephone poles, Brad, you know, your marketing that you're doing, you know, I, I think of, you um, you know, there, there are people always that are going to want to sell. They need to make a quick sell. Um, but how, how do you differentiate yourself from the, the mom and pop doing it and get that message across and actually have that conversation so that you can do the transaction that you do? I mean, because you've done so many of them.
1: So a lot of my competitors um, hide behind the, those "we buy houses" signs. You can't find them. They don't have uh, their their address on their website. A lot of them work from their off work from their home. Excuse me, or out of their car. From day one, we've had an office and we've had a brand. We've had the Express Home Buyers brand. We spent over 10 million dollars in in TV advertisements. So we have this jingle: Express Home Buyers. We buy your house in seven days. If you if you ask the six million people in the DC market, I bet you at least four million people, if you said, "Hey, sing the jingle," could sing the jingle. So we've just really been professional. Um, We've tried to stand above some of the unscrupulous practices in this industry. Um, We're members of the Better Business Bureau. We've got an A-plus rating. My face is all over TV. It's all over the Internet. Hey, we're here to buy your house. Here's the price we can offer. If you don't like that price, we understand. But we're not going to try any underhanded tactics or techniques or lie to you about how much your house is worth. So I think that's what's really made a difference, just being professional and treating people the way that we would like to be treated
0: you know it's interesting brad when uh you know i learned what you did i didn't know the scale and i'm going geez i know a lot of guys that buy houses fix them up and so on i said is there going to be much value and i'm going to pull up on the screen your your business uh website uh the uh express home buyers i didn't know i'm you know i'm out in silicon valley so i didn't know the jingle i can't do that one but i was really um very impressed and you know, just kind of the messaging when I opened it up and the chat coming up and the, the scale of homes bought and then, you know, the phone number and a fair offer in seven minutes. And I go, this guy knows how to market because it's, yeah, well, and, it, and it's it's a compelling value promise, you know, for the right audience. And, you know, that's the biggest challenge all of us have as entrepreneurs is, you know, matching the our the, the marketing to the, the clientele.
1: Absolutely, yeah. My, my passion has been mostly around sales and marketing in the last you know, 12, 13 years. I just love it.
0: Is there anything that jumps out on the marketing and sales that translates you know, lessons learned? Because I mean, I, I look at you're in one of the most competitive markets. You know, it does take some capital, obviously, to do this. Uh, you know to buy homes but not that much and everybody you know it's like you know people open restaurants all the time because they know how to cook at least for their family and a lot of them fail and certainly um, I remember the yeah you know, I don't have the statistic in my mind right now but the number of real estate licenses in California are just huge and so many people think of themselves as investors and you know so that you've got a lot of competition how do you you know, stand out in this?
1: So the, the the jingle in our brand is one thing. Our website, we've spent a lot, a lot of time and money on the website because I always knew that TV was going to become less and less effective and more and more effectiveness was going to come from the Internet. So we've always, always uh, focused on online, and that's where really our biggest ROI comes from now is online. Uh, but I think in terms of the messaging, uh, there are very few companies that can speak to the pain that the people are going through. So everyone has an external problem and an internal problem. The internal problem is what causes them to actually make the purchase. So you need your lawn mower. That's an external problem, but you're worried that your neighbors are gonna, you're, you're embarrassed because your neighbor's gonna see your long, your long lawn, or that the HOA might slap a fine on you. That's what makes you pick up the phone and call that lawnmower. So when someone needs to sell a house. there's a reason. They're stressed, they're embarrassed, they're scared. So when we market, we really talk to that internal problem. And I think that's what resonates. Our competitors just wanna say, hey, I'm John and I buy houses cash and how great John is. But the prospect doesn't care how great John is. The prospect cares, can John solve my problem? So I think we do a better job than most at getting that message across.
0: I think that's really powerful for all of us is that internal, external. Uh, thought process because it's so easy to address the external but when we start thinking the emotional part that you know whatever market we're working with what they're going through and you know if we can start a conversation you know entering the mind you know where they already are it's just it's very powerful and you know and so often we want to reduce pain and uh, clearly if somebody's you know in the process they need to sell their home quickly that it's a painful process and making it as professional and easy to do and addressing their concerns is, you know, is amazing. And, and this is, you know, for all of us as fellow entrepreneurs, we've got to really think through that. What what about, you know, I think of one of the things in doing all those transactions, Brad, you know, the ability, I mean, just, you know, the negotiating, the, the techniques for both, you know, kind of making deals happen because, you know, they. You know most of us think we're great negotiators until we actually do a deal <laughs> and then we find out yeah maybe we're not and the counterparty obviously has their own belief systems and so on how do you you know just you know that's number of transactions how have you standardized you know kind of the negotiating process um i know there's three different types of deals that you were talking about but how, how did you you know come up with a process that worked you know, consistently for you?
1: So we've, we've spent a lot of money and time on sales training. We've gotten some of the best sales trainers, you know, in the country to help us out. And then we've just basically scripted everything. So similar to how I was talking about their, their problems, in uh, their internal problems, what caused them to buy, in our sales process, we talk a lot about that. We wanna unearth, what is the pain? Why are you calling us? And then during the sales process, we wanna focus on that pain. Additionally, we do something called advanced agreements. So whether it's on the phone or whether we're at their home visiting with them, we set the agreement up front. Here's how the call is going to work. If we're not a fit, is it okay if I tell you? If you think we're not a fit at any time, is it okay that, that, you know, will you tell me that? What it does is it takes the, you know, used car sales. When the person walks in, they have all the power and the salesperson has nothing. What that does by asking those questions is now it levels the playing field and it makes the person much more comfortable and kind of, you know, takes their guard down. So. Uh, those are, you know, to answer your question though, is we've scripted a lot of this stuff. So when new people come in, we have a lot of video sales training and scripts that they can just study and hear calls and hear first visit, first home visits, where we actually record them, and just learn how to do it properly.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's so invaluable. You know, it's so valuable. And, and one of the mistakes so many of us make is we leave, you know, uh, it to chance. And you know, if you're gonna scale up your business having the ability to script out to test and you know using outside consultants to really help you uh put it together i mean it's just amazing and you know one of the things i always think of it as an exploratory conversation uh in our coaching of top financial advisors with very wealthy individuals you know they're you know they're ready to get pitched and you know that doesn't work at all, is to have really what you're doing, Brad. I, you know, I call it an exploratory conversation that you know, we're, we're taking a look at whether we can serve you. And if we can't make a huge impact, you know, we're going to let you know. We're going to let you know whether the current guy's doing a good job. and If they are, we're going to recommend you stay there. And if we're not good and they're not the right ones, we'll promise to point you in the right direction. And that just changes that conversation so quickly. And then you can see whether it is a good deal on both sides and yeah, so that that's so powerful what you're doing let me go um, and talk about resources for a second and one of the things I want to pull up you've got a new um, uh, site uh, bradchandler.com and you're doing coaching tell me a little bit I mean you know one of the challenges we all have as entrepreneurs is staying focused, as we talked about earlier, and all of a sudden now you're kind of changing. Tell me why you're changing and what you're doing, you know, here.
1: Yeah, so I've always had a passion around teaching from a very young age. I can remember being a kid and, you know, teaching the kids in the neighborhood how to ride their bikes. So I've always had a passion around teaching. Um, I see that there's a huge opportunity in this space, and I've gotten my business um, to a seventh level, which means that it essentially runs the ExpressHomeBuyers.com. It essentially runs without my input. So. I thought, hey, what would be the next chapter of my life, or what can I add to help express homebuyers and help people? And that was coaching. So tonight, I'm getting ready to launch my coaching program. I'm really excited for it, and I'm just really excited to be able to help again thousands of people in the next, you know, in the coming years to better and change their lives, and then hopefully they can do that to other people as well.
0: So um, let me know what are the resources on your website for, you know, your fellow entrepreneurs. And then who are you focusing on coaching going forward to, Brad?
1: So I've got a, a free book that I offer on the website called Wholesaling Secrets. Discover this one technique we use to close over 200 wholesale deals every year consistently. So they can get that on the site or they can get that by texting the word invest to 855-999-1616. Um, but we're really going after the, the new struggling investor that's really having a hard time finding their first deal or we're going after the person in corporate America that's just sick and tired of coming and working for someone else and fulfilling the dreams of their, you know, the owner and just want to have the freedom and flexibility to do what they want in their life. So that's what we're starting with. And as I build out the coaching program, we'll go more and more into experienced investors and teach them how to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But for now, we're really just focused on the person that wants to make a shift in their life um, and get more freedom. Yeah,
0: no, that's great. And there's certainly there are a few people in cubicles right now that would like that. So there, there's plenty of opportunity and it's a great industry. Let me kind of summarize some of the key takeaways that I'm walking away with, you know, from Brad's experience. And, you know, I mean, there, there's so many life lessons and it's, you know, it's always funny when people, you know, meet in a successful entrepreneur and they, you know, think of the overnight success and they, you know, it was, over many many nights and days you know part-time 12 hours a day seven days a week and but the power of focus and you know as you start having success and we've all fell prey to this as we have success we we tend to want to you know well we're really good we're going to do this this and this and this and a little bit of superman superwoman syndrome and the more we can focus and you know, build a simple and elegant business. We create so much value not only for our clients and customers but for ourselves. And you know, one of the most important parts uh Brad shared was the ability to attract and retain and using LinkedIn and the ability to look all over the world and you know finding the right people and you know then you know, one of my favorite, and this is new to me too, is not only doing the traditional background check, but the behavioral uh, profile and to make sure not, you know, there's no right or wrong behavioral uh, profile, but is it right for the role that you're looking for in the culture that you have in the organization? And then, you know, the perseverance. I mean, this is one that, uh, you know, the only way you can be an entrepreneur is and successful is have tremendous perseverance because stuff happens and it's going to uh, really affect and one of the most important assets we all have as fellow entrepreneurs is our entrepreneurial mindset and you know you've got to keep that and you've got to be able to consistently do it and then you know definitely I would take a look at uh, Brad's site let me I'm gonna put it up on the screen again this is Brad's uh, coaching but also his uh, Express Home Buyer. And both of those, all the links will be in AES Nation. And one of the things I'm just so impressed, uh, Brad, You know, we, we run into each other at kind of a different event for each of us You know, to be at Frank's place. And then, but that executing on the marketing and building great businesses, testing, and making um, a huge impact. So. Uh, you know, thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage everybody to go to AES Nation. All the links will be there, the transcript, the show notes. And uh, you've got to go out, execute. Take what Brad shared, execute it. Your clients, your future clients, your future strategic partners are all counting on you. Wish you the best of success.
1: Thanks so much, John. Exceptional remarkable breakthrough aesnation.com